Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com, and uh, we are again talking about John Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man. And with me today is a fantastic guest, uh, somebody that uh, is near and dear because he's part of the Next Real team. And we have JJ. Hi, thanks. I'm happy to be here. I'm thrilled to have you. <laughs> I'm near. You're near and dear to me too. <laughs> this is this is going to be fun because uh, one, um, this is your first foray into uh, uh, movies by right. minutes shows, and, but yes. you're also a, a big comic book fan. Huge, huge. I think I have about eight thousand. Oh my goodness! And I actually subscribed to Iron Man for a very short time. So yeah, I'm a I'm a lover for sure. Wonderful. What, were you subscribing to Iron Man? Was that a recent subscription or was that uh, some of the earlier days of Iron Man? Yeah, this is all like junior high and high school. So in the late 80s, early 90s is when I was subscribing. And I had the only thing that I was most consistent with was the X-Men. I always had a subscription to the Uncanny X-Men, the original X-Men title. Gotcha. Um, but then I dabbled in others. Like I had Captain America for a while, Iron Man for a while, Daredevil. Like I, I, I moved around, always Marvel. But yeah, so I had little subscriptions here and there depending on where my interests were at the time. Did you have much of a sense of Iron Man and his backstory and all that? Or were you just kind of, you know, keep Keeping up with where he was at the time. Well, it's so weird that you bring that up because like the numbers that we were in and in that period, like late 80s, early 90s, were probably in the high, I want to guess maybe like 100s issues of Iron Man. So they and they didn't necessarily include stuff about the Avengers, like the Avengers. I had an Avengers subscription for a while, too, but he was not really part of the regular Avengers at that time. I think he would dabbled in the West Coast Avengers from time to time. So it's really interesting, you know, how the cinematic universe came along and really kind of went back to the original setup with everything. So even and in this movie that we see, like it's really going taking bits and pieces, little seeds from the original Iron Man stories and then building a story off of it. But the Iron Man, and and you could say that because the books I were reading were way back in the 80s and 90s, that that actually is technically backstory <laughs> as well to wherever <laughs> we are today in the Iron Man universe. But um, yeah, so I was familiar with like his alcoholism, which they've only kind of dealt with in a very sort of tertiary way in the movies um and things like that because that was a big deal in the books in the 80s and the 90s Um, yeah and that that actually even started in the 70s right and his personal relationships were always a big deal then so yeah 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 it was uh so the invincible iron man was i mean that thing was running for quite a very long time so oh um, yeah yeah so there's plenty of uh plenty of story to uh to read and catch up with in there all different kinds of stories yeah and that's kind of the nature of the the soap opera aspect of the comic book universes in 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 the actual books you know and we're kind of getting to that in the movies now too with all these movies but um they go one way but then when they resolve a sort of mini story you should be ready for a new direction and that's kind of what we're on the cusp of here with uh, the marvel cinematic universe and what we're going to do in 2019 so it's 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 an exciting time and it's really sort of taking one medium that we all grew up with and 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 translating it to a completely different one. I think it's pretty cool. Definitely. Well, we should jump into our minute uh, that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. Uh, on today's show, this is Minute 22, and it starts with these Ten Rings terrorists giving Tony a lay of the weaponized land and ends with a hopeless handshake and smiles all around. Yeah. This is uh, the first time Tony's, Tony's really starting to get a sense of exactly what's going on here. He's got these this group of terrorists who have kidnapped him and Yinsen, and these guys bring him outside of the cave where uh, he is 
been uh, 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 kept since he was taken and had his surgery. And now uh, they finally bring him outdoors so he has a sense as to where he is. And what does he see? But Stark weapons everywhere. Everywhere. It's crazy how much stuff is there. And I have to say, just looking at this over and over again, how funny it was to see the variety of cases and stuff. You know, you had... The more modern looking cases, and then you had some really old plasticky cases, sure. and then you had some wooden crates and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, this was like <laughs> they've been doing such it a variety. for decades. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I was I was looking at that, especially when you saw the cases that Tony was presenting the military with earlier in the film when he's demonstrating the Jericho missile and he's got that fantastic case that he opens up and it's got the chilled alcohol in it and they're having drinks and it's like the fanciest cases you've ever seen and this is exactly the opposite of those sorts of cases these are just the the worst of the worst and the oldest of the old and the script actually I thought it had a nice little um, a nice little line in here where it says something about the the cases being from let me see if I can find that line as to um, how old some of them are, where it's like various shots of crates, the Stark International munitions logos, some faded, some new. and says weapons dating back to 80s Afghanistan. Okay. So I think, I think that helped me when I read it in the script. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, to give you that sense of the passage of time or, or how much, how long they've been doing this. What I find interesting about that too is that for some reason, the terrorists seem to have an idea that this motley crew of stolen goods is going to be enough. I mean, literally, the 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 not the lead terrorist, but the guy who's having the conversation here says that he has all the materials necessary to make the Jericho, this brand new state-of-the-art technology in weaponry. Number one, how would he know that? And number two, uh, what makes him think that that's true? That was a really interesting line in the film and leads us to everything that we're going to look into for the next, I don't know, good maybe 10, 15 minutes of the movie. And I think it's really interesting that that we don't address that further, uh, that Tony doesn't stand against that. And I think that's also evident when he has this, what did you say? Did you say the awkward handshake? Is that what you, the word that you used to describe it? Hopeless. It's hopeless. A hopeless handshake. Yes, yeah. hopeless. <laughs> it's, it's hopeless and it's a show, right? It's a show that uh, we're going to do this, but only because we know that it's not possible and that you're actually going to kill me. So the point is, is like, yeah, why right. would he actually stand up for the fact that none of this stuff probably has anything to do with the Jericho project uh, and why this guy thinks it's similar or comprehensive enough to make it work is is kind of silly. Well, especially because, I mean, knowing that, okay, you've got everything you need in all of these things to build us a Jericho missile. Okay, so if everything is here and he has to pull a little piece of this and then get a piece of that, they're going to have nothing because everything is going to be obsolete because he's taken parts out of them except for one Jericho missile. And yep. it's like, okay, one you got boom. one shot then. Right. And that's not going to do much for you. So it's <laughs> it's it's a very strange mentality that they have here. Agreed. But it is it is in keeping with the comic book. That's exactly what, I can't remember the guy's name in the comics, but he had the exact same plan with Tony when he kidnapped him. He said, you've got a room full of stuff here. I want you to you know, build stuff for me. And that's exactly what he sets out to do. And Tony 
has to pretend to do this and hopefully uh, find a way to get out of it. And it's uh, it's nice that they do keep that in keeping with the story from the comics. No, but the story from the comics wasn't involved with terrorism, right? It was just a sort of diabolical scheme. Well, in the comics, you have to remember, it was a uh, it took place during a different war. I mean, this was right. the, uh, Vietnam, and it's Wong Chu who is the guy who catches Tony. It's kind of the same sort of story. He's helping the military. He's kind of showing off some stuff that he's been developing for them. And then there's this booby trap and these guys catch him and they realize who he is and they say, oh, hey, we'll trick him into spending his last days on Earth working for us. Right. And so Favreau, what Favreau has done is taken that and then updated it for what would be militarily relevant in 2008. Exactly. Which makes a lot of sense. And that's been yeah. something that we've seen since the beginning of this, you know, right yeah. at the beginning when he's caught and we've got that that horrifying moment when he's on camera being filmed, like we've seen people in the news where they get captured by terrorists and it's kind of the ransom videos. I mean, it's pretty horrifying, but it does put it in present day very effectively. Yes. Agreed. Um, this is the, uh, again, We as we said last time, this is the exterior of the cave, which is a real kind of cave area. It's east of the dry Owens Lake, just south hmm. of Lone Pines, where they've been filming a lot of this stuff that's supposed to be Afghanistan. Okay. Um, it is It is out there, and it's a great little kind of a little valley, or I don't even know if I'd call it a valley, but I think the script even defines it as, he, when he comes out, he sees it as a bowl. And it feels very much like a bowl that he's yeah. in. You know, you've got this great little thing and it's all disguised with all the uh, the weaponry covered by the camo, which uh, I think defines what we would expect kind of a, a hidden group of terrorists to be doing out there. Yep, very consistent with what we expect real life to be like. We do see um, some familiar faces again and, and some new faces. We see Tom Morello in here as one of the guards. Not very well. We're going to have much better shots of him later, which it will be fun to talk about when that comes up. But Tom Morello, he is actually the guitarist for Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, it's odd that you, you said that name. That was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, wait a second. He's from the music. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I, he must know John Favreau because he was sure. he played the best man in John Favreau's film Made. Okay. And he also played some guitar on this soundtrack and will do so in Iron Man 2. So I think he's got a connection with Favreau, but it's just fun to see him. I mean, again, he's very briefly in this minute, almost not worth talking about. He's he's so deep in the background in some of the shots. Not but, recognizable, uh, yeah. Yeah, unless you're really looking for him. You go, oh yeah, there he is. He's unless you're a range that fan. one guy. Right, and you can see him. Really, the bulk of this scene is the conversation that uh, Robert Downey Jr. as uh, Tony has with Syed Badrea as Abu, uh, as translated by Yinsen. This is the, uh, the moment where they're asking Tony all about the weapons, and he says, you're going to build for me now. It's funny, I, I, I've been uh, trying to get people on reddit to do some translations for me of the actual as, uh, language there <laughs> to, of the actual yeah. language to see what they're saying and how well hollywood has done it um, yeah. actually handled there's it no right. subtitles right they just do the translation piece right right it is arabic oh. that abu is speaking okay. and you know the translation was a person who he translated it for me and he said some of it doesn't make a lot of sense but this is basically what he says and the first thing abu says is he says what's your opinion and Yinsen translates, translates it to Tony as, he wants to know what you think. Tony says, I think you got a lot of my weapons. And then he said he hears Yinsen say something that he wasn't sure if it's Arabic. He thought it might be Urdu, mm -hmm. but somebody else 
caught the word weapon in there. So they think that it's a rough translation of what Tony said back to Abu. Okay. And then this is, this is the line that he was really confused by. Abu says, from our friends, the American presidents, this contracts that you make me a Jericho missile. Whoa. And it really makes no sense. And I asked him, I'm like, you mean it doesn't make sense because you can't hear it very well? And he says, no, I can hear it. But I don't really understand why he, you know, those words that like, it doesn't make sense that he's saying those words. Well, I guess they're using contracts as a verb, meaning to obligate you to do this for me. Right. right. So maybe, right. May, I mean, maybe it seems weird, but if, if we jump into sort of like a subjective translation world, it's saying the Americans have given us this. And because we have got, we've received this from the American presidents is what they're saying. It obligates you to mm-hmm. do this for me. And they're using contracts as a verb. But yeah, and it's tough, you know, because there's yeah. generation loss in, um, in translation like that. But maybe that's what they're trying to do. Well, especially because then Yinsen says, he says that they have everything you need to build Jericho. <laughs> missile he wants you to make a list of materials which is not that's <laughs> not, not even, even close yeah. <laughs> not even right. really right no apologies and then there. and then yeah. abu says and after this with safety my dear you go home <laughs> and then yinsen says he says uh for you to start working immediately and when you're done he will set you free with safety <laughs> say that what, what did with, I, safe, how was abu with safety my dear <laughs> <laughs> and after this with safety my dear you go home <laughs> okay my dear Yes, Tony, my dear Tony. Uh, that's beautiful. No, that's, yeah. It's very funny. The person who, who translated this uh, for me on Reddit, he, he very much complained about Hollywood and the struggle that they consistently have with anybody of Arabic descent or Middle Eastern descent in films and the portrayals and the language and all of that. And I can certainly see that. And and here it makes sense, even though the the actor, Syed Badreya, is Egyptian and of Egyptian descent. So I would think that he may actually be speaking something Arabic close, that yeah. he actually knows and understands, but still well, it does sound like it might be a little is rough. Is there a particular language or a particular culture that Hollywood does a good job of translating into the American English, I, I can't think of one. I, I, I notice errors all the time in any of the languages that I, you know, even subtly speak. So I don't know of a good translation example, I guess, is that's what I'm trying to think of. I think inevitably, yeah, it's going to be a difficult thing to say that that it works. It really just depends on the people behind it, you know, right. and, and if they really have people who know the language and understand it and the culture and everything and are really doing their best to make it as as correct as possible you know and uh, you look at something like dances with wolves where kevin costner was working with the 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 tribes and working to make sure that they got the language as accurate as possible i mean i think there are times uh, even then i would think that there probably are people who are going to complain though you know well it's, uh, it's, yeah uh, it's one of those things. i think that's a good example though because you know you he was as a character in that movie learning the language through the film so i think that you know maybe the annoyance of the conceit of Hollywood here is that in a situation like this where there is some murkiness, they're still trying to represent that it's a very clear translation. And it almost never is. That learning language and trying to figure out the way to switch it, like it might have been more accurate and may have been more to this Reddit user's pleasure for them to have Yinsen saying, I'm, you know, to give some sort of confusion, but that doesn't necessarily work for the movie. So that's the problem with Hollywood saying that translations make direct statements in the other language, because it's almost never true. Well, and the other element that you have to think about is in the editing of a film like this. I mean, perhaps they had Abu say that whole thing about you have everything here to build a Jericho missile. We want you to make a list of materials. And it it just, it could have been 
been just way too long right. uh, because you have it saying it in Arabic and then you have Jensen saying it in English. And it just makes for a much longer scene. They say, you know what? Let's just shorten it. It doesn't need to be that long. We'll just get through it that much quicker. It'll save us 10 seconds. I didn't and, even I mean, think of Those that. are that decisions that you make in the editing room. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I can see something like that happening. Yeah. And I can see that, that upsetting the Reddit community <laughs> as well. Yeah, absolutely. It does end in the fantastic moment where Abu gives that fantastic uh, grandfather smile right. that just makes me want to, uh, if if it wasn't in context of the scene, it makes me want to be a little boy sitting on his lap having him tell me stories because he's just got that amazing grandfather quality, yeah. which I love. But then you put him in context of the film, you're like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I love the moment afterward when he tells them, we'll set you free. And then Tony shakes his hand and says, no, he's not. And right. Jensen says, no, he's not. And that's delivered perfectly. That is the, 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 the crux of this minute is that moment. And it's done really well from both of them. Yeah, it really is. It's interesting. This is a moment so far in the film. We've had little hints of Raza, who is the, the main terrorist that we have. But he's always just kind of a guy in the background watching the goings on as, yep. as it's been constructed so far, Abu has been like the main bad guy working yeah. with Tony. And why do they do that? What, what is the purpose of having the two headed monster here? I think that or it's the, to the, the fake, the sort of red herring that there's one leader and another. It seems to be setting up Raza as this really mysterious, dark, evil figure, because oh. you only see him kind of as the guy who's watching and you just get the sense that he's kind of the one who's pulling the strings, something like that. It, it's an interesting setup and I don't fully know why, especially because in the script, What's interesting about this moment is you have this whole scene play out where Yinsen translates everything from Abu, and then before Tony says, no, he no, he won't, and then Yinsen echoes that, Tony sees Raza standing right. on the hill. He sees him. He has that look. Right. And, and it, the script says, Tony sees a heavily armed and imposing man surrounded by several men who act as pilot fish around him. This is warlord Raza, a man you don't mess with. Hmm. And because of that, that's what makes Tony say, no, he's not. And oh. interestingly, in the film, as it's done, you leave all that out and you put all of that weight on Abu. So maybe the original intent was to say that Abu was making it like he could deal. And Tony's acknowledgement of someone else in greater power was recognizing the fact that no matter what this guy says, he's being controlled and doesn't have any sort of authority or agency to deal with me on that level. But that I like how it is. I like how it comes out in the film better where that isn't the reason for it. It's just because you're kidnapped by terrorists and they don't do that. I, I guess that's what I got when I saw the film. It's one of those things where it's, it's interesting how it's scripted, but I agree with you. I feel like the way the film plays out actually works better. I think it's a, it's a much stronger, more interesting way to see that play out. Yeah. And easier to, easier to tell that story visually from the way that they did it than the way it's in the script. Yeah. I don't have anything else for this minute. Do you? No, no. Good minute. Important minute for the film. It really was. It's a, it's a great little moment that Tony has here. I'm looking forward to seeing how it's going to go here. Well, JJ, at this point, uh, we usually have our guests uh, plug where we can find them on the internet. And I guess we know where we can find you on the internet. Thenextreel.com. <laughs> go to thenextreel.com. Find us there. We've got great podcasts. And what's the show that uh, you host over there? Uh, the Film Board. 
once a month, we get together and we do a movie that's just released in theaters and we spoil it. So it's probably the most spoilerish of all of our shows. I don't know if that's fair, but I'm going to make that claim <laughs> right now. We're the biggest spoilers there are. We and we have done <laughs> we have done some of the uh, MCU films on the film board. Oh yes, a number of I think my favorite of the ones that we've done from the MCU is Black Panther. But we've done we've done a number of different ones uh from the MCU. We kind of pick and choose because there's just so darn many now. Yeah. I think when it started it felt like we would do them all the time because they they were so talkworthy or newsworthy. But for example, we didn't do the first Infinity War movie. Uh that may change next year. We'll see. Yeah, who knows. We'll be uh, we've been all over the place with them, but it's fun. It is fun. Well, everybody, that is it for today's show. Again, JJ, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And to all of you out there, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over on our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. If you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. 